11.30 here in the Central Time Zone. Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us here on another hazy Tuesday here. Lots uh, to talk about as our departments are churning out more information for you. Jason Jorgensen in here along with Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield with Farm. Let's begin with Susan. Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening at midday from the farm team. We're going to hear from Alex at 1219 of Martin's Hillside Orchard. You know, it's that perfect time of year to be checking out your local orchards. Then at 1245, my conversation continues with Megan Shasso as we talk Farm Safety Week. What do you do in case of an emergency? And she talks about health for women in agriculture. And then I'll wrap everything up at 117 with Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson as we talk about the cattle markets task force and some of their findings. That's a midday on a Tuesday. Happy fall from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. I heard, Jason, that on, on Sunday there were seven torn ACLs in the NFL. It's an expensive day for folks. One of them was one of Denver's big guns. So they uh, lose Cortland Sutton at that wide receiver spot. Also, they're not going to uh, have their starting quarterback uh, midway into the year. Uh, due to that fact, the Broncos went out today and brought in journeyman Blake Bortles. Uh, still, he still has a pulse. That's he really? <laughs> yes. Be so he'll be the backup. <laughs> yeah. It's it's tough, and you know. So so the question becomes: Without as long of an off season, without pregame, is that maybe preseason? I should say maybe that's boy. But there's some big names: Saquon Barkley. And, you have to wonder if that had something to do with it. Now, yeah. might not have. Might not. But, have. Uh, people are going to uh, question that. Sure. sure. But what were they supposed to do? They weren't going to be able to have any exhibition games. Right. Right. So, uh, speaking of games, we'll hear from Nebraska's Wandale Robinson. The Huskers are already talking about relishing the opportunity to try to pull off a big upset to begin their season as they will play at Columbus, Ohio, against uh, Ohio State. Of course, that game will be coming up on October 24th. I believe that's an 11 a.m. start that day. Yeah. And uh, that's a game we'll have here on 880 KRVN. Also, I, I can't let too much out of the bag. But I will say this, that uh, Nebraska is not the only team in the state of Nebraska that uh, has some kind of a schedule to look forward to Mm. going forward. Mm -hmm. Find out details this afternoon. At least we're supposed to. The tease. It's a a program near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. (laughs) All right, very good. Well, that'll be interesting. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Look at uh, business news. Stocks mixed today. Wall Street has opened slightly higher as the markets are recovering from some losses on Monday. Sales of existing homes rose a little bit in August to uh, the highest level since 2006 as the housing market continues to recover. The House is on track to pass a government-wide temporary funding bill to keep federal agencies fully up and running into December. So that's occupying some of their time and uh, some of the news. All right, very good. Thank you very much. Let's turn it over to Clay Patton for more. 
Well, thank you, Scott. Let's go down to Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics, for a midday check here on the market trade and what's going on. And Mike, another round of strong USDA sales, but corn and soybeans not that excited about that demand as they see harvest starting to pick up here across the country. Wheat, on the other hand, is this more uh, currency-type action we're seeing, or is this more related to a hardening fact that looks like a La Nina weather pattern setting up for much of the central U.S. and even South America? Yeah, I don't think it's currency-related as much, Clay, because we continue to see the dollar up pretty nicely, especially against the Russian ruble. Uh, the Russian ruble is up towards its weekly high, which would also be up towards a high from about three weeks ago, and that level would put you all the way back towards uh, April-May in terms of the uh, highs in the U.S. dollar against the Russian ruble. So a softening Russian ruble against the dollar is probably not what's giving us this type of up. But We see that the hard red wheat is about 1.2% higher on the day. I think this has a lot to do with the weather pattern heading into the planting time period, and especially as we go into dormancy. looks like it's going to be a very, very dry year once again on what probably is going to be another year of the tightest acres planted in hard red wheat uh, going back in a, in a century, just like we've seen the last couple years in a row. As we look here across as well, like I said earlier, another round of USDA sales, but harvest is also getting going. So as more reports come out, and it sounds like maybe outside of the state of Iowa, things are looking decent. Uh, are we on track maybe here to where looking at last week, it was a really good week for farmers, but now's the time to think about a marketing plan. Yeah, I mean, what you saw this morning was the reversal, I think, of yesterday's trade, where we were risk-off all the way across the board. The dollar was kind of uh, the leader to the upside. Today we started off the, the opposite, where the dollar was kind of lukewarm against all the other major currencies, commodity currencies, and we had more of a risk on trade. But I think since then, even with the USDA export sales you referenced as far as corn and beans to China and unknown destinations, this is a gut check for the row crops because of harvest and because of these technicals and the way these currencies are acting, that dollar continue to go up and make new weekly highs. So this is where I think today's trade, having the crop conditions, the harvest progress, the winter wheat plantings number behind us, we see what the charts look like. We see the demand continuing from China. But I think today's a really important technical day, important momentum day in terms of staying above that 1025 level in the November beans and really above that 1015, 1016 level at a minimum because that's where a 52-week moving average resides on the lead month soybeans. In the livestock trade, uh, we see the lean hogs limit higher now in the October contract. Are we going back again? Pork and bean trade, a decent day for soybeans means a really good day for pork? Yeah, I think that's exactly how we started out, and I think we're starting to verge out. Why? Because of harvest and because of what we're seeing in terms of the row crop. And I have to say the yields overall, as you say, Iowa is a tough state mostly for whether it's corn or beans. But what I'm hearing so far and seeing so far in yield reports is much better yields coming out of the beans versus the APH or the average uh, price, uh, average harvested acreage numbers, uh, bushels that the 10-year the average that the producers used to getting uh, compared to the corn. So the corn's still more up and down across the country from what we're seeing early on. So yes, I think you've got the hogs rallying. This is keeping the cattle in the fight. And now it's up to the charts to give us an idea if we're going to get a new weekly high or not and maybe a new monthly high as we come in tomorrow. 
Again, we're talking with Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. If you'd like to ask him questions more specific to your farming and ranching operation and how he can help manage the risk on that operation, why don't you visit GlobalComResearch.com. That's GlobalCom with two M's, Research.com. There, mention you heard about him on the Rural Radio Network, and Mike's going to set you up with a two-week free trial of his newsletter analysis and talk to him about your operation. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Eleven forty-four. Time for us to take a look at our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with us. You know something I didn't realize today, Paul, and I know you played it too. And I had read it somewhere that that they are they go into the Greek alphabet with these tropical storms and yes. hurricanes, and this thing could go away because there's still a couple months left of the hurricane season. Yeah, exactly. We're only sitting here in late September and what probably a few more months. Right? This. Yeah. So, so we're on beta. At least through October. So yeah. We're now, gonna, did the, was there an alpha? There was an alpha somewhere. It I don't remember <laughs> it. It must not have been a big deal. But uh, Not a notorious one. But. They, they said that they use 21 of the letters of the of the English alphabet because yeah. they don't use Q and X and yeah, some of those. Exactly. And then they go into the Greek. So, yeah, so now if we could just get some of that rain up here. So Quinn and Xavier, they're, they're, the, they're, those they're, aren't safe, happening. From, they're safe from being named. That's right. Zeus. That's right. You won't be named after a hurricane if you do that. So Of course, today, the first day of fall, it officially it arrived this morning at 8.30. Uh, kind of fall-like weather right now, just a little bit warmer than normal. Uh, the, the smoke, once again, filtering our sunshine and probably holding back the temperatures of a fair amount like they have been here over the last few days. But, you know, all in all, we really can't complain for late September weather here. No, we really can't. And the temps, while they get pretty warm in the afternoon, drop really well in the in the evening. It's very nice out there. Exactly, especially when that sun disappears. It gets cool very quickly. But right now, most of us, with temperatures in the low to mid-70s, a few locations already touching into the upper 70s, such as in far eastern Nebraska towards Omaha, and also some upper 70s to low 80s right over the southwest corner of the Nebraska Panhandle. Kimball with a temperature right now of 81 just to the north. Scotts Bluff with the temperature currently sitting at 66. Also 69 on the cool end of things in Imperial, McCook, and uh, Ord this morning. Uh, mainly clear skies across the area. If you're looking up, you're thinking uh, there's some kind of cloud cover. Nope, it's that once again wildfire smoke from the fires out west. Mostly clear skies all across Nebraska. The closest any clouds are right now are to the south of I-70 in southeast Kansas. Temperatures today will be about, or temperatures for this week actually expected to be about 10 degrees warmer than usual with some plenty of sunshine as the ridge of high pressure continues to build across the central plains. The sunshine once again filtered today, especially in western areas of Nebraska that are closer to that newly developed wildfires in that were set uh, that uh, took off in northern Colorado and southern Wyoming. So once again, southern Nebraska, the Nebraska Panhandle, having some uh, air difficulties there with some low air quality. South winds will be breezy for today and tomorrow. That's before a drop of low pressure on Thursday results in a drop in the winds. Our highs on Friday expected to push 90 before a cold front for Friday night 
Drops our highs back to the 70s for Saturday through Monday. A small chance of some rain and thunderstorms late Friday night into Saturday with that cold front's passage. But right now it's looking very doubtful from much of anything. The Weather Prediction Center indicating much of the area will remain dry through the next seven days. A few locations may see up to a tenth of an inch of rain, not a lot, but mainly towards northeast Nebraska on those rainfall totals. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures Mostly seasonal or near normal for this Sunday through the first five days of next month. We're going to be kind of the divider between some much warmer air to the west and some much cooler air across the uh, eastern U.S. over the next few days in the long term. Late September into early October, daytime highs in central Nebraska on average are in the low half of the 70s with average overnight lows in the low to mid 40s. And once again, we're expected to be right near that over the next uh, in the 6 to 14 day forecast. Mostly dry weather will likely continue with a high chance of below normal rainfall Sunday through the 5th of October for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. Key weather factors affecting market trade include dry weather in the next five days in the Midwest and no more than light rain expected for central Brazil. The Midwest will be dry for much of the rest of this week, a benefit for harvest activities. This weekend, though, moisture from Tropical Storm Beta may produce some moderate rain to the east of the Mississippi River. Another system early next week in the Midwest may bring moderate rain with the chance of rapidly falling temperatures. In the Southern Plains, Tropical Storm Beta will produce showers over southeast parts through tomorrow. Elsewhere in the Southern Plains will be drier. Drier weather will benefit the corn harvest and winter wheat planting, while showers in the southeast part of the Southern Plains will maintain the soil moisture for early germination of wheat. Tropical Storm Beta's effects in the Delta and southeast U.S. include showers through Thursday. The heavy rain will disrupt harvest and may damage the crops. Across central Brazil, only scattered rain is forecast through Thursday. Rainfall amounts still expected to be light and less than needed to begin soybean planting. Recent rain benefited corn planting and reproductive to filling wheat in south Brazil. Heavy rain will return to southern Brazil this weekend and continue into next week. All right. Very good, boy. But I tell you, right now, some pretty good harvest weather, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you really can't complain. Um, probably some people wouldn't mind maybe a little bit of a dust settling rain, yeah. but it is not in the cards right now for the next 14 days at least. Well, I guess uh, get after it while you can, that's mm-hmm. for sure. All right. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Fall is officially here, and one local business is ready to ring in the season. I'm Alex Wojcicki, reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Martin's Hillside Orchard is located just outside of Soresco, Nebraska, which is north of Lincoln. Alex Martin is the owner, and he said they just opened up for the season on Labor Day weekend. Martin's Hillside Orchard is a U-pick operation pretty much intended for families. We grow apples, raspberries, peaches, pumpkins, and we invite the public to come out and really have a good time. Pick fruit and have a good time and also learn something. We've got an educational trail that uh, sort of makes education fun, gives people some insight into the things. Most Many people have a fruit tree at home or something. They'll learn something about fruit trees and about nature and they'll have a good time. So uh, that's kind of our orientation and, and uh, it's really a family-oriented business. And Alex says that being so close to Lincoln allows them to give a memorable experience to those who live in the city. We have a little more space devoted to what we're doing than people have in their backyard. So 
Yeah, the, the um, majority of the people who come out are either from Lincoln or Omaha, yeah. And they enjoy the chance to get out and have some space, the kids to run around, even a little screaming, but not in pain. They're having fun. Yeah, they have a good time. They go home happy. Alex said he's been building this business for over a decade. We've been open to the inviting the public to come out and participate for the last 15 years or so, but it has evolved quite a bit in the last five or six years. So a lot more people come now than used to, and we've added more things for families to do so they can have fun besides picking apples or raspberries or peaches. Fifteen years ago, Alex said the U-Pick Orchard was not exactly planned. We got into this business sort of by accident. Once a long time ago, we went to an orchard to pick, and we thought, gee, we could do as well as this, and that's not a good business plan, but that's how we started, and it just started slowly. We used to grow strawberries also, and Christmas trees, and we eventually got out of the both of those, and we stayed in the fall fruit, really. Fall raspberries, peaches, apples, and of course pumpkins are a fall thing too. The agritourism industry continues to grow in Nebraska, and as part of the industry, Alex said he's seen quite a few changes in his 15 years of business. Well, the agritourism uh, industry it has been evolving. I think it is a, an experience that a lot of the public enjoys, and uh, for that reason, people who uh, are inclined to offer such an experience have gotten into the business so there are there are more and more agritourism businesses around than than say 10 years ago yeah ultimately alex says he wants visitors to have fun exploring nature and go home with a greater appreciation of plants and plant-based agriculture well i hope they go home feeling like two things i like they really enjoyed themselves and I hope they feel better for it. In other words, they feel like they've learned something. I don't mean formal thing that you might learn directly out of a book where somebody asks you, list three factors that do this, but have a greater appreciation for plants and plant-based agriculture. That again is Alex Martin. He's the owner of Martin's Hillside Orchard near Soresco, Nebraska. And Alex says with school back in session, Martin's Hillside Orchard is a great way to get outside and practice social distancing. The orchard is open for the season through October 31st, and you can learn more about the orchard and view their U-Pick schedule at hillside-orchard.com. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network near Soresco, Nebraska, I'm Alex Wojcicki. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, the Huskers have started preparations for the upcoming season now that it's scheduled to start on October 24th at Ohio State. And sophomore running back Wando Robinson says they look forward to the challenge. Uh, this is a new year. This is a new team. Um, we're not worried about last year. Last year obviously happened, but we have to forget about that. Um, if we go into this game thinking about last year, then thank good. This is a whole new game plan, whole new everything. We, we don't have the same players. They don't have the same exact players. So Robinson was a guest last night at Sports Nightly. The Huskers will play three teams ranked in the top 11 in the country in the first four weeks of the season. Jonah Wayand of Concordia has been named the NAIA National Football Offensive Player of the Week. The redshirt sophomore from Crete rushed for 177 yards and five touchdowns and 35 carries in Concordia's big 34-28 overtime win over Hastings College. Broncos quarterback Drew Locke could be out until midseason due to a shoulder injury suffered over the weekend. On top of that, the Broncos also lost Pro Bowl wide receiver Cortland Sutton for the season after he tore an ACL in his left knee.
Sutton made the Pro Bowl last year after catching 72 passers for more than 1,100 yards and six scores. Today, the Broncos announced they've signed veteran Blake Bartles as a backup at that quarterback position. The Rockies have shut down third baseman Nolan Arenado for the rest of the regular season because of a sore left shoulder. The loss of the five-time All-Star and seven-time Gold Glove winner that's a big blow for a Rockies team trying to hang in there in the postseason chase after they got off to that great start at 11-3. and Stanley Cup final is knotted up at a game apiece after the Tampa Bay Lightning rediscovered their power play touch. They lit it up early with three goals in a four-minute span of the first period as they eventually held off the Stars 3-2. to And the Tri-City Storm has acquired multiple players through this year's dispersal draft, which took place yesterday. Tri-City made five selections to draft players whose rights were previously owned by the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders and Madison Capitals. Those two franchises decided not to participate in this year's upcoming season. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find that anytime at krvn.com. Twelve twenty-nine, just about twelve thirty here at KRBN, which means it is time for KRBN news, and our own Ellen Simmons is in. And Ellen, I know it's been another busy day in the news world, and uh, what, do, what do you have for us here on this Tuesday? Well, on the list of things to talk about, coronavirus is another one. Go figure, As, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Governor Pete Ricketts continues to remind Nebraskans about ways they can help prevent the spread of coronavirus. And as always, we want to remind people to continue to practicing our social distancing, keeping that six feet away from you and other people when you go out in public, wear a mask when you go to the store, wash your hands often. If you see a crowded bar or restaurant, it's a great opportunity to turn around and go to another bar or restaurant. Remember, it's really going to be those enclosed spaces where you're uh, next to somebody else um, that is going to help spread the virus. And those are uh, great times to wear masks. Governor Ricketts says Nebraskans observing those tips have helped curtail the virus's spread and preserve hospitals' capacity to care for patients with the most dire symptoms. He says the state's hospital capacity is at 37 percent, ICU beds at 34 percent, and ventilator capacity at 83 percent. Governor Ricketts also encourages Nebraskans to register at Test Nebraska website. Authorities say a motorcyclist has died after colliding with a car at a southwestern Omaha intersection. The Sarpy County Sheriff's Office says the crash happened late Monday afternoon at 132nd and Harrison Streets when a car made a, made a left turn in front of the motorcycle and the motorcycle's driver, 23-year-old Nicholas Scarpino of Omaha, was rushed to an Omaha hospital in critical condition and died several hours later from his injuries. The 74-year-old driver of the car suffered minor injuries. The Sarpy County Sheriff's Office is continuing to investigate. No charges or citations were announced Tuesday in the death. Authorities have identified a man whose body was pulled from a sand pit near Lexington last week. The Dawson County Sheriff's Office tells station television station NTV that the body is that of 24-year-old Eduardo Farias Garcia of Lexington. Sheriff's officials found his body September 14th in the pond south of Lexington after someone called 911 to report saying what appeared to be a body floating in the water. Authorities say he was wearing only shorts and tennis shoes when he was found. Officials said Farias Garcia appeared to have been in the water for about a week. Results from an autopsy are expected in the coming weeks. 
Governor Pete Ricketts said during a media briefing Monday that he will not mandate coronavirus vaccinations for Nebraskans when those vaccinations become available. We will not be doing a vaccine mandate either. Now, we certainly encourage people to get vaccines. Here in Nebraska, just overall, pre-pandemic, we were, I think, Wallet Hub rated as the number nine state for people getting vaccines. So we want people to get those vaccinations. And we want to encourage that use as well for the coronavirus, but we're not going to be mandating that. Estimates vary widely about when one or more vaccines might be widely available. President Donald Trump has said a vaccine could be ready during the month of October. Experts say that might be a little optimistic. U.S. Centers of Disease Control Director Robert Redfield said last week that a vaccine wouldn't be widely available until the second or third quarter of next year. Well, you can find more news at krvn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. This week is National Farm Safety and Health Week, and the theme, Every Farmer Counts. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I'm continuing my conversation with Megan Chasso. She is the Outreach Coordinator through the University of Minnesota School of Public Health and the Upper Midwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center as we focus on grain bin safety. Yeah, absolutely. We have seen just a really big jump in grain bin incidents the past few years, kind of all over the place with the upper Midwest, especially. And part of that is because we've had, you know, we've had crazy weather. And so grain has gone in, you know, wet perhaps, or facilities maybe are leaking. And that out of condition grain is typically what draws people inside a grain bin in the first place. So some of the things to really be thinking about with grain bins are, you know, number one, avoid entering at all costs. Um, but think of working in pairs is really important. And I know for a lot of folks, you know, you're farming by yourself or someone's, you know, working off the farm. So um, if you are by yourself, making sure folks know, call a neighbor, spouse, kid, whoever it might be, um, and letting them know. Um, and something else that is important on farms that have, you know, a, a bigger group on it, maybe you're hiring, maybe you have a big family, doing something like a lockout tag out and you don't necessarily have to buy a kit you can make your own um but just finding a way so that there nothing gets powered on while folks are you know doing whatever kind of work inside especially around you know the augers and like you said blowing grain is incredibly dangerous so um you know we're really focused on the prevention end of things so we don't want people getting stuck in them at all um but Something else to consider is, you know, does your local EMS fire department have a tube, a grain rescue tube? Those will really help with survivability in the event that something does happen. You you talk about that and then the emergency preparedness that we need for that farm family that finds an emergency on their operation. What are some key things that maybe you guys are suggesting to help keep the panic in check to be able to get help there quickly? Yeah, that's a great question. So something that is really good to be doing right now, um, if you're just starting harvest or you haven't yet, is to have, you know, have a conversation up front. And it can be all things health and safety. But, you know, um, if certain parts of the farm have names, you know, like at home, we've got the 40. The 40 doesn't actually have a fire number. So So knowing that folks know how to describe, you know, where certain sites are is going to be really helpful if you do need to make an emergency call. Otherwise, you know, if you don't have an address, it just gets 
uh, help to be a little bit further and longer away. So that's a, that's a great thing to do up front is, you know, talk about the locations, where they are, how we might describe them, making sure everybody has, you know, the right phone numbers, things like that. Um, and one other thing is that it really feels counterintuitive for a lot of people is if an emergency happens, there are a lot of situations where you're going to want to do very minimal to interfere and, you know, help with that rescue. You're going to want the people that are trained to be the ones coming in and making any movements. And this includes if someone's entrapped in grain, you don't want more people getting trapped or moving them to make it worse. Um, this applies for tractor rollovers, depending on, you know, if there's crushing, you don't want to be moving them. Um, things like if you're working around silage and there's a silage gas instant, um, there are a lot of times where you're just going to want to, you know, not necessarily leave the person alone, but um, really focus on letting the emergency responders, you know, do their job. So um, one, one tip that I've been shared with by some emergency response professionals is if there are people at the site giving people jobs to keep them busy. So, um, you know, if something happens, just, just keeping people like, even if it's like go sweep the, the concrete, it's even something that's menial and not helpful. That'll keep people calm. Very good, strong advice. I guess the final question I want to ask you, Megan is, is women, women in agriculture, we seem to put ourselves on the back burner to take care mm-hmm. of everybody else first. And and we don't normally think of health when we talk about farm safety, but it is farm safety and health week. So what mm-hmm. can we do to help keep us women in agriculture on the healthy side? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think we found that in the last farm census is that women, they are primary producers. And so some things to be thinking about, um, you know, my go-to resource for anything women in agriculture is going to be the AgriSafe Network. Um, they have a lot of great information about, like, ergonomics, for example. So um, a lot of tools and mechanical things are designed, you know, for a male body. And so thinking if you're, you know, doing any kind of regular physical labor, having tools that um, are made for, you know, a woman's body is really going to be helpful for your health. Um, so that's one, keeping that in mind if you're working around pesticides or if you have animals some you know needle stick injuries can be particularly harmful especially for pregnant women just because of the the hormones and antibiotics and things that one might be working with my conversation with megan chancel please take time be safe and enjoy this harvest season i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network bureau With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Wall Street is higher as markets recover from steep losses Monday. Most sectors are rising, led by real estate and energy, and big tech stocks help lift the S&P 500. Apple has been up 1.6%, and Amazon is up 2.2%. Sales of existing homes rose 2.4% in August to its highest level since 2006 as the housing market continues to recover from a huge spring decline caused by the coronavirus. The National Association of Realtors says sales rose to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 6 million homes sold last month. Overall, sales are up 10.5% from a year ago. 
The House is on track to pass a government-wide temporary funding bill to keep federal agencies fully up and running into December and prevent a partial shutdown of the government after the current budget year expires at the end of the month. House passage will send the measure to the GOP-controlled Senate and a potential floor fight, but there's no appetite on either side for a government shutdown. A new poll finds that most Americans view the nation's economic situation as bleak, but a rising percentage also sees signs of stability six weeks before Election Day, if not reasons for optimism. The new survey from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research finds that 60% of Americans describe the national economy as poor and 40% deem it good, but only 28% say they expect things to get even worse in the year ahead. Hollywood's unions have reached an agreement on pandemic protocols with major studios that will allow the broad resumption of production of films and television after six months of stagnant sets and widespread unemployment. The guilds, representing directors, actors, and crew members, jointly announced the agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers on Monday. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. KRVN will be broadcasting live in Cairo from the Antique Shop, Junction 2 and 11, Friday from 9 to 11. Stop by and register for the KRVN Blazer and start the Nebraska Junk Jaunt at the junction of Highways 2 and 11 in Cairo. The Nebraska Farm Bureau released the findings of its Cattle Markets Task Force. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Speaking with Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson, he gives some background first as to why this task force was put together. It really goes back to the fire that took place in Holcomb, Kansas, more than a year ago. And and uh, that uh, started a conversation that we thought that it would, was time for Farm Bureau to put together a task force to talk about the issues. And so... As the year went on, we began to, to put the process in place. And then, of course, with all of the issues around COVID and, and really creating or setting in place a situation that, that brought about some of the same questions related to uh, prices being paid to producers as compared to wide margins being being uh, uh, made by processors, those, those concerns and what was taking place within the marketplace certainly made it timely for us to bring this task force together and so we put together a really great group of producers from around nebraska and those that are involved in the cattle industry so we have producers on the task force from every sector of the cattle industry and then we have uh, those that are relay connected to to auction facilities and uh, some other parts of the supply chain to make sure that we really had the the, the industry well covered as we, we began to put together recommendations. As you got ready to put those recommendations together and as your findings kind of came together, was there any surprises to you? Well, I think part of it, and this isn't surprising, but I think everyone understands the, the complexity of the issues and the fact that there's a lot of difference or diversity from one part of the cattle or beef sector to to another part and so a very very complex uh, set of issues and obviously uh, the recommendations and solutions that that connect to these concerns and issues are going to be complex as well and so what the document does is really lay out a very strong background 
uh, around what is happening and how the market, uh, cattle market or the beef market works. And that provides or will provide uh, Farm Bureau members uh, during the policy development process a lot of information to base their decisions on. And and so then the, the, the report also has a number of areas with recommendations again for for our members primarily to to look at as they work to develop policy at county farm bureau annual meetings and this will then lead to to uh, i think a very well uh, uh, and informed discussion around the issue at our annual meeting as well as then the next step on some of the areas, of course, would be at the American Farm Bureau Annual Meeting or the National Meeting, uh, where a lot of these uh, recommendations would really uh, end up in order to to uh, to bring some of these policies into place. And I'm sure during the delegate session of the annual meeting, it's going to bring up some very interesting conversation. Well, I think that's right, and you know, those they, 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 not a surprise again uh, on what some of these areas are, but I think. You know, a lot of focus, uh, you know, included in, the, you know, related to the fed cattle markets and the Livestock Reporting Act and transparency, essentially, within the industry. Those comments of Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, a, co- a little bit of a contrast from what we saw yesterday, but I find it interesting given the facts and the moves we've seen in the currency right now that wheat is a leader to the top side today. Yeah, wheat's, wheat's been strong. So tomorrow morning, there's kind of a lot of things that happen like right around the 7.30 a.m. open. So if you read my newsletter or a lot of other newsletters, the data that comes out is it doesn't contain that. So at about 8.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30 times, we get in the morning updates uh, about China, you know, typically, or anybody who buys. That's when the FSA essentially sends the, uh, the, the news alert out that somebody has bought something of at least 100,000 metric tons. So we've had China consistently in the market at that time. So much like today, we saw a surge on the open uh, in corn and beans. But in wheat, it's actually, we got a pretty big morning tomorrow to see who uh, how much wheat um, it's going to be bought uh, via the Egyptian tender from either Russia or Ukraine. And that price has been very high, probably 50, 60 cents higher than where, where it was a year ago at this time. So, you know, wheat has a story here in the U.S., but it's in the Chicago side, not so much in the Minneapolis or the Kansas City side. Um, there's upside there, especially considering it doesn't have a lot of energy exposure and the currency's weak. But I, I do think in the short run, the market is, you know, kind of, preoccupied with harvest and, and their supply coming so i don't think i don't think we get out of control yet but give it give it six to eight weeks if, if certain things to come out this way for the election uh i think we could be a good good buy especially um hey i mean i'm not to get political but if like biden would win dollar gets weak i think we could rally maybe we get some new business partners then we look over at soybeans obviously is there just a concern now of when do the chinese not put in a buy and how much downside risk is there in this market yeah, I think so. And as I mentioned earlier, that's 7 a.m., 7.30, 8 o'clock a.m. Central Time. That kind of is the market now. Um, I was, you know, we were down, what, like 7 or 8 cents when I went to sleep last night around 9, 10 o'clock. And then thinking I was going to wake up and see it red, it was it was, it was green. And, and then it really surged on that open. And that's really been the trade. There's been heavy volume at that, you know, 8.30 a.m. Central Time open. 
you've got fun buying combined with the uh, farmer selling that happens a lot at that time, and then the market just kind of stalls out. So 370 seems to be a pretty happy medium for corn, and uh, you know, call it 1020 on the beans. I think at some point you maybe get volatility in one more run, but grain stocks report comes out a week from, I believe, tomorrow. It's on the 30th. Um, and that grain stocks number won't really contain much of the China stuff. So uh, that's all forward buying. We'll have to focus on backwards in that, in that one. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. If you miss anything or want to re-listen to any of our Midday segments, just listen to the Midday Podcast sponsored by Devenny Motors on iTunes or KRVN.com.